Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of Arise with Amber, the podcast. I'm grateful to have all of you here. However you are here or watching or listening from around the world, you are welcome. And I'm so glad that you somehow found this podcast. I know that God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make accidents. So you are here for a purpose and I'm grateful. And I hope that something that I say will make you want to grow in wisdom and knowledge of our Lord. I pray that something that I say will give you a bit of encouragement and remind you that you can arise no matter what comes your way. I've been thinking this week a lot about how, you know, we're in the season of Advent and we're in the Christmas season. And, and for so many, it's such a joyful time. And it's, it's, People say it's the most wonderful time of the year, and we sing it, and we say it, and there's signs everywhere, and a lot of times, though, people can feel like this is not the most wonderful time of the year. So many people might want the season to just pass. They might not want to even partake in Christmas. There are many people that are out joyfully buying presents for those that they love and gearing up to buy food and spend time together, but there are probably a lot of people who are feeling lonely or who are feeling sad or who are grieving a situation or a loss or are in financial strain and can't really do all the things that they want to do for those that they love. So I know that our feelings can make us feel that way, but I just want to remind you that it's okay. It's okay if you feel that way. You know, a lot of people who might be grieving, there is an empty seat at the table. There are Things that you might have used to do with a loved one that you don't, you're not going to get to do this year and it hurts and it's painful and it's okay for things to look a little bit different than they have in the past and it's okay to cry. It's okay to delegate some responsibilities. If you host Christmas, put it on somebody else this year and just say, I'm just not quite ready and all of those feelings are okay. You know, we go through seasons of suffering and grief where things look different and We don't want to put on a happy face and come out and act like everything's okay and eat a lot of food and spend time together when we're really hurting inside. And so I just want to say that it's okay. Give yourself grace. Delegate responsibilities to other people. Don't push yourself too far. Don't push yourself past your limits. But also don't allow yourself to stay stuck there. Especially if this is five or ten years down the road, I hope that you're I hope that you're back enjoying the season of Christmas again, and that you're not still stuck in that same place that you were on day one. I want to remind you that when you're feel when you feel hurt or when you feel grief or when you feel sadness, just I want to tell you these truths that this is a season. There is purpose in it, even though it might not feel that way. This pain is not permanent. While you might be marked. And always, you might feel different for a long time. This pain that you're feeling right now is not permanent. It doesn't have to stay in that same pain forever. There is joy to come. I promise there is joy to come if you allow it and if you, if you lean in. And you are never, ever alone. It's still a wonderful time of a year, even though people who might be going through trials or suffering might not feel that way. Our flesh might not allow us to feel that way, but it's still the most wonderful time of the year because God sent his son to be born in a manger to come and save a lost and broken world. And I saw something beautiful yesterday, and it's a different take on the birth of Christ, and I just wanted to share it with you. And it reads, Those soft little hands, fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, were made so that nails might be driven through them. Those baby feet, pink and unable to walk, 
would one day stagger up a dusty hill to be nailed to a cross. That sweet infant's head with sparkling eyes and eager mouth was formed so that someday men might force a crown of thorns onto it. That tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be ripped open by a spear. Jesus was born to die. That just makes me so emotional when I think about how Jesus, how God humbled himself in the form of not only a man, but a baby, a helpless baby. And I think about him and Mary holding him and, and knowing, you know, he was born to die. He was born to die, but not only was he born to die, thank goodness, he was born to rise again. And he was born to defeat death in the grave and to bring all of us who repent and believe in him into right relationship with God. And that is wonderful news. So while whatever you may be going through is hard, and I am sorry for that pain, there is wonderful news and there is a reason to have joy and to have hope. So I hope you guys can cling to that this season, whatever you're going through. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even though some of us are hurting and suffering, are in pain or will be in pain that we don't know that is coming, God, that you sent your son for us. You sent your son in the form of a baby to die, to take on the sins and the wrath of you that we deserve. And God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for what he came to do to save us. And God, I pray that people turn to the cross when they are hurting and realize that you are good, that the worst thing to ever happen was for our good. So God, I pray that someone hears a word from you today, Lord, draw near to them as I pray that they draw near to you. We love you. We praise you. We're so grateful for what you have done, are doing, and will do in our lives, God. We owe you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to just jump right in and ask you guys, speaking on the topic of trials and suffering, what are some things that build your character? I'll never forget in sixth grade, if we didn't know a word and we would ask our teacher, she would make us go look it up in a dictionary. (laughs) I don't even know if our kids know what a dictionary is. But our teacher would make us go look it up. She did not tell us the answer. She made us go find out the answer for ourselves. And she also would make us stand up, spin around in a circle, and start over if we were in the middle of a conversation or saying something to her and we said the words, uh, or um, we would have to stand up, turn around and start the whole conversation over. And we would all grumble and complain. And she would always say, it's good for you. It builds your character. It's good for you. It'll build your character. Those little things left a lasting impression on my little sixth grade middle school brain. My kids complain about chores all the time. And I tell them, it's good for them. It will build your character. And these things, you know, these, these things that they think are pains right now are actually really for their benefit. We are, we are giving them these things. We're giving them responsibilities to help and shape and mold them and grow them into productive members of their home, their future wives and husbands and their families, and in society as they grow up. So chores, <laughs> they seem light compared to other things that we face in this world, of course. But they are character building for our little ones. So what are some things that can build our character? Solving problems can build our character. 
Parenting and marriage can definitely build our character. Navigating relationships with lots of people in our lives, whether it's in the workplace or just in out in the streets. Self-reflection builds our character. Sports activities can definitely build your character. Um, continually learning, continuous learning and reading and schooling all can build our character. But I think the main thing that builds our character more than anything else are trials and suffering. And London and Granger are on a mission trip right now. We've been talking about that. And they have definitely been facing some trials. They've definitely been through a little bit of hardship and a little bit of suffering. And each of these each of these things we keep telling London that they're 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 molding her. They're shaping her. They're changing her. They are they're building her faith. They're building her endurance. They're building her trust in the people around her and herself and God. They're all shaping her little heart, her little mind, her little body, and it's growing her in compassion and strength, and all of these things are growing Granger as well. And you know that we've faced really difficult suffering in our lives these past few years. We lost Granger's dad in 2014 to a very sudden heart attack. We lost our son River at three years old in 2019, another sudden loss, and we lost a baby in miscarriage in 2020. And I speak so much on trials and suffering because they're a natural part of this fallen world and they're promised by Jesus himself. He tells us we will we will face trials, we will face tribulation, but take heart because he has overcome the world. And I truly believe that how we view God truly shapes how we can suffer well and how we can grieve with hope. But it's what we do in those storms or those trials that shape us it's how we respond to that pain and it can go you know one of two ways so if you think if you think of any superhero movie you think of the hero there's always a hero and there's always like an antagonist or a villain and both people usually had trials in their life they usually had things and adversity in their past hard things that they had to go through but it's how each of them responded to those things that made the hero the hero and made the villain the villain. So I've heard it said that grief and pain are necessary parts of life, but misery is optional. And I think that hits really hard. Grief and pain are necessary parts of life, but being miserable is optional. The pain that you are going through, it can either make you or destroy you and in a sense, lead you into the destruction of others as well. I'm sure you can think of people in your lives who have been through hard things, who have been through seasons of suffering. And I'm sure you can think of people who it has made bitter, or you can think of people who have actually come out better by having gone through that pain. But it's how they respond. It's how, it's where they turn. It's the things that they turn to. It's who they trust that truly develops their character and who they are. And coming to know God And growing in my knowledge and wisdom of who he is and who the Bible reveals him to be, I've learned that God uses our trials to shape us, to shape our character, to refine us. Many times, you know, people want to get God off the hook for things. They want to say that God had nothing to do with that, that he doesn't cause things. But scripture tells us otherwise. These things that we face are there to build our character. They're there to change us, to transform us, to make us more into the image of Christ. And if we know and believe God's word and the things that he says, that everything is from him and through him and to him, and that he causes all things 
to work together for good. Not that not just that he allows, but that he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and who are called. Then we have to believe that there is purpose in them. We have to believe that there is that there is purpose in everything that we face in this fallen world. Many times God will use storms and suffering to get our attention. <laughs> he will get our attention and get our focus off of the world and the the things that we're so distracted by to turn our focus to him and to stimulate and, and build up a desire to trust in who he is. In Matthew 14, we read of how Jesus sends his disciples directly into the storm. He tells them to go out ahead of him. And they were in the winds and the waves and the raging seas until somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. And that's when Jesus came walking on water. He could have stepped in at any time before that. He could have stilled the storm or the seas before he even sent them out. He could have sent them out on still waters, but he didn't. He sent them into the raging stormy seas before him. But when Jesus came walking on water in the midst of their storm, they were able to see Jesus in a way that they hadn't seen him before and that they hadn't, they wouldn't see him without having been sent out into those raging seas. This is the account of Peter. You know, if you'll remember, if you've read Matthew or if you've heard the story of him stepping out of the boat, walking on water, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, though, and he begins to look around at the wind and the waves, and, and he begins to get scared, and he takes his eyes off of his Savior, and he begins to sink. And he cries out immediately, he cries out, Jesus, save me. And immediately, Jesus does. And I love how in Scripture so many times, it often says that immediately, Jesus saves them. But he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I think so much, so much of the time, that's us. That's us. When the wind and the waves and the storms are raging around us, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And we look around and we see everything that is around us and we let fear and anxiety and worry rule in our lives and our hearts and we begin to doubt and we feel like we're sinking. And Jesus is saying, why do you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. I was talking with some friends the other day and we were saying how there are some people who do worry a lot and who do have anxiety and sometimes they'll say, well, I just can't help it. It's just how I am. I can't help it. But you can. You can help it. I'm not saying that anxiety is not a real thing. I'm not saying that I don't ever worry or that I'm not ever anxious because I am and I do. I've experienced all of those things, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides inside of us, we do have the power to stop it. We do have the power to stop, like I spoke about last episode, and flip those thoughts and flip those feelings. Take, take what we're feeling and flip it into the truth of God's word. We have the power to realign our focus on Jesus. We don't have to go down that path. We can refocus our eyes on Jesus. We can read his word. We can pray his word. We can call out to him in those times. And, and like I said, immediately uh, it says a lot immediately that he comes immediately. And he might not fix our situation right in that moment. But his presence is enough. His grace is enough. His power residing in us is enough for that next breath, for that next step. We don't want to stay stuck in that place. I knew... I knew I didn't want to stay stuck where I was in that deep, deep anguish and pain. I didn't want to stay in anger. I didn't want to stay in my bed. You know, pain can make you bitter. This world, the things of this world, the evils of this world can make you bitter, but they can also make you better. 
if you lean in and if you cry out as Peter did, as if you, and if you say, Jesus, save me, help me, I need you, I surrender to you, I will humble myself at your feet, God, I can't do it. If they didn't go through that storm and they didn't witness Jesus's power, they wouldn't have been able to say, as it says in the end of, or it says in Matthew 14, 33, truly you are the son of God. We have seen it. We have seen it. We have seen you, Jesus. Truly are you, truly you are the son of God. I'll tell you that we would not have come to see and know Jesus the way that we see and know and love and adore him now if he had not have thrown us into the raging sea. He disrupted our smooth sailing boat. We thought we were smooth sailing. We thought everything was great. He disrupted that and he threw us into the most raging sea that I've ever experienced in my life where only the word of God and who he was in our Bible became our life raft. And it made me see and it made me realize that storms aren't meant to sink us. They're meant to sanctify us. If we, if we allow it, if we trust, if we obey, if we lean in to God. And I, I love so much learning about God and I love studying theology and doctrine, but I will, I will never understand the ways of God. And I've come to terms with that. I've come to have peace about that. Because if I did understand, he wouldn't be God. So I have come to trust that there are things that I will never understand. But I have, I have humbled myself and said, you know, he is God and I am not. And I will trust that what his word says is true. And I know that he is good and I trust him. And that gives me peace and comfort and hope in trying times. And he offers this to everyone. He offers this to you. You don't have to stay stuck in that place. You don't have to be bitter. You can have freedom. And you can have joy again, and you can have peace again. But it takes coming and seeing as as Jesus invites you to do. But so many are just so stubborn and prideful to see it. So many get in their head and want answers. And we have to come to terms with that. We might not have the answers. Many times we don't. We're not going to get all the answers and we're not going to understand fully until we get to glory with Jesus. But you can have peace and joy and hope in the midst of trying times. So often, you know, many times a desperate situation is an invitation to draw near to God. It's a gateway to him. And I want to give you guys a few reasons why and how I feel that the trials and the pains of this world build and shape and mold our character. So number one, they invite us to see and know our God. So often we're so distracted and preoccupied with the, with the shiny little things of this world and with the, the, the little comforts that we're missing the goodness of God. We're missing so much more that we could be doing, so much more that we could be doing for the kingdom. So he will shake things up. He will uproot you. He will throw you into the raging sea and he will slay you, as Job says, to open your eyes to him. Number two, they test our faith. We read that testing produces perseverance. Trials strengthen us. If we allow them and if we trust, they, they strengthen our faith in God because when we, when we truly humble ourselves and stop relying on our own strength, we see how he has carried us, how he has brought us through struggles in the past. And then it grows our, our faith and our trust in him because we remember what he brought us through, what he's already done for us. Number three, it humbles us into our dependence on God. Storms remind us that we are not God. 
that he is God, that we are not, that we are not in as much control as we think we are. They remind us of our place, that he is almighty and that we need him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. They help us recognize and foster this this need for humility and surrender in our hearts. And it will guide us into submission. And it will guide us into seeking his will over our own. And number four, trials build our character by pruning us, by pruning sin out of our lives, by refining us. It, it's, you know, the Bible says we're clay in the potter's hand and he is molding us and shaping us into vessels that he can use for his ultimate purpose. Number five, trials build perseverance. It's so often in the waiting where we, where we can grow and where we learn to endure and to persevere, where we learn what we're made of. And it's when we trust in him and how God works through our, tri- through our trials. And it's our belief that he is doing it for our ultimate good. They build, we, we are building perseverance as we run this race that is set before us by everything that we have gone through, by every trial, by every storm, we are seeing how we can persevere by the power of God's strength. Number six, trials allow us to gain empathy and compassion for others. We might not have had this before. You know, I didn't, I couldn't truly relate to somebody who had lost a child, not having gone through it myself. I don't, I don't understand fully their pain because that each person's pain is their own, but I now have much more empathy and compassion than I could have ever had not truly going through it myself. That's not to say that we can't have sympathy for others without going through the same trial. We can, and we can love them well, but there's a different understanding when you face the same suffering that someone else has. So it allows us to comfort others in the way that God has comforted us. Number seven, trials, if we allow them to, will grow us in spiritual maturity. If we turn to our Lord, they are a pathway. They are a gateway to God and his grace, and they're opportunities for us to grow if we can see them that way. If we can want to be better and turn away from that bitter and bitterness and anger and sadness. Number eight, trials and suffering keep our eyes focused on the hope that we have in eternity in heaven. Each trial we face reminds us that trials are temporary and Jesus is eternal. He is the only thing that is eternal is our relationship with him. All of these things are passing away. People are passing away. Relationships are ending. Jobs are ending. Pets are dying. I mean, we... Nothing in this life will last besides what's done for Christ. They remind us that we have the promise of eternal life that, and it changes, it changes how we live as believers. It changes how we love other people. It changes and transforms our hearts, knowing that all of this suffering is, is building, building up for us an eternal weight of glory and this pain will not last forever. It is not permanent. It, this life is a vapor. We have eternity to look forward to in heaven. Our bodies will be renewed. We will be made right in relationship with God. There will be no more suffering or sickness or death. So it keeps, it keeps our eyes focused on the eternal prize. Romans 5, 3-5 through 5, reads, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
And so often people don't want to think that good comes from suffering. You know, the beginning of that says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering is doing something for us. But people don't want to think that good comes from suffering. We can't see, you know, the good in the terrible things of this world. How can these things be good? I have seen and heard many grieving mothers say, there is no good that can come from this pain. There's no good for my child dying. And while on the surface, I feel that. I know that it can feel that way. How can there be good in the suffering and the death of a child? How can that be good? But I think of the cross and I think of Jesus and he was born to die. And we're all going to die. We're all wasting away. But when, the, when those feelings make us feel like nothing good can be in this, we have to go to the truth of God's word. That's not the truth. That's not the truth that there is no good that can come from this. God's word is truth. So we have to, we have to go to that when those feelings are making us feel like this is all pointless and meaningless. What kind of life is that, really? That if all of this really truly was meaningless, that none of this mattered, People live, people die. This is all just a tragic accident. There's no hope in that. There's no truth in that. (laughs) Thank the Lord there's no truth in that, that God has come to save and redeem us and that it all does matter and that it, it is all working together for good. And it's not only about us. It's about so much more than us. It's about, it's about all the people around us. It's about people in other, other countries. It's about people on other continents. It's about God's kingdom and his glory is what it's about. It's not about our feelings. It's about God's glory. And it's about bringing him glory in and through our pain. So how will you respond when you are tossed with the waves and into the sea? Will these things destroy you or will they develop you? You have a choice in how you respond. And your response to your pain and how you walk through it could be somebody else's It could be what somebody else sees and remembers for when they face their trials and suffering. You could be their guiding light. You could be their lighthouse, so to speak. If you are suffering well, if you are giving God the glory through your pain, you can help someone else through theirs. So when you are hurting, when you are suffering, I invite you to go to the cross and remember that Jesus came to die and that the worst thing to happen was the best thing that could have ever happened. And it is the most wonderful thing. And through him, we can truly live. Through him, we can truly live. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Remember that promise. Come to him in your pain and trust him and ask him to grow you through it. Ask him, you know, for him to come near, for him to comfort you. His word says he is so close to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit and he will save you if you cry out to him. Cry out to him just as Peter did. Jesus, save me. He will save you, but you have to come and see. You guys are chosen. Thank you guys so much for listening. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow or abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll see you guys next time you're chosen. You guys can message me at risewithamber at gmail.com. You can also go to arisewithamber.com is my website. And you can visit me on Instagram at Amber Emily Smith. I'll see you next time. Bye.